testicle. That's what our podcast is all about, Kelly. Well, look out, Lady Gaga. I'll wait till I stick old hoss on you. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that draws you like one of our French girls. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Darling, now you can keep us both locked up in your safe. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous, Tom. You wouldn't fit in my safe. No, it's true. I've got too many diamonds in it. (laughs) Yeah, and I've been putting on the pounds. Well, that's why we have this podcast, Tom. No one can see the truth. It's true. Welcome back, cousins, for part two of our James Cameron's Galooza. Right, yeah. Uh, the exciting part two, the, the Empire Strikes Back of this particular set of podcasts. No, Cal, I'll never join you! <laughs> I love the part where he cuts off Rose's hand. Yeah. It's very dramatic. Yeah, nearly cuts off Jack's hand, actually. That would have been a lot more fun. That would have been. Anyway. <laughs> Try drawing one of your French girls now, hook for a hand. <laughs> That's assuming that he lived long enough to get a hook on there. Come right. on, though, it's a ship. you got to figure they just have some hand hooks lying around. <laughs> That's right. They're like, oh, we're a bunch of sailors. We never know when somebody's going to lose a hand. No, it makes sense. You know, some sort of old maritime regulation that was never repealed. Although I guess I always assumed pirates would use hook hands because mostly their duties were like raping and pillaging. Yeah. You know, they could always just go capture somebody and make them like actually sail the ship. It just doesn't seem like you'd actually be able to like pilot a ship if you didn't have both of your hands. Well, that's, I I think you, you can do a lot with a hook. You'd be surprised. Okay. I hereby claim. Cousins, do you have a hook for a hand? If so, please write in and let us know how you cope with doing uh, very complicated maritime knots, uh, raising, lowering sails, yes. steering, capstan, swabbing the deck. Oh, yeah. Any, any, uh, anybody who's a sailor with a hook for a hand, we really want to hear your story. Battening things down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hatches. Well, <laughs> you know, among other things. Okay. Can you batten other things? Uh, a Battenberg? That's like a kind of cake, right? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Hmm. Perhaps it's time to move on. Yes. <laughs> uh, with the telegrams from our cousins. Hooray! Yes. I'll be kicking it off this week with a telegram from cousin Dante, who writes, Dear Tom, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I send this email. As a past cousin of the week, the week of August the 6th, and I do believe that I should be crowned as Grand Duke, the Honorable Cousin Dante of Atlanta. To sweeten the deal, I will enclose a picture of Michelle Dockery, Cousin Dante. Uh, Well, Cousin Dante, I have to say, you took the risk, and you did in fact sound arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) But our stated policy is, you know, we're all just cousins. If you want to put on airs and give yourself a dukedom, a grand dukedom. Right. Those are hard to come by. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. If you if you actually take a photograph of Michelle Dockery with your own personal camera phone and send it to us, <laughs> we can begin to discuss things. But see, my point is, like, just everybody's always been self-selecting about their names. Right. Like, Mrs. Grant is our housekeeper. True. She decided that. We didn't decide that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, there's somebody else that I'm forgetting. Yeah. There is. This is this has come up frequently. Right. Uh, I know cousin Chris wanted a title. Dowager cousin Jackie. Yeah, Dowager cousin Jackie. I think we don't we don't care cousins. Right. <laughs> we remain your humble uh, your humble cousins. Yeah. 
Although some people call us like Lady Kelly and Sir Tom and I don't know. Like mostly we sit around in our underwear, so it doesn't really seem Yeah, well I feel like if people call us that too much we could get arrested in Britain, right? That's how it works. Is it? If you get put on airs. Hmm. Well look out, Lady Gaga. <laughs> she always does. Our next letter is from Cousin Liz, also in Atlanta. Oh. I have attached a scanned article from The Onion about the Titanic, the ship, not the numerous films. Hope you all enjoy. Kelly and Tom, you are absolutely my favorite driving companions. I enjoy your podcast enormously, and I also look forward to wearing my Turkish Gentleman Halloween costume. By the way, I'm a member of the Titanic Historical Society, if I, too, can answer any questions. I will tell you that there was a third-class promenade, other attachments, so they could see daylight, although that would probably be where all the smoke and debris from the smokestacks ended up. I can't explain why Rose was there, though. (laughs) That plan comes from the Discovery Channel site, where there is a gorgeously detailed set of deck plans posted. All the best to the very extended Downton family. Uh, very cool. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, and we will, of course, post those photos for you on Facebook and Twitter so mm-hmm. that you can see what she's talking about. All right. Uh, and also, Cousin Liz and any other cousins, if you did get one of our uh, Halloween costumes, our half-ass Halloween costume <laughs> yes. shirts, uh, feel free to take a picture of yourself wearing it and, and shoot it to us and yeah. we'll put those up. Halloween is coming up. It's this Wednesday. That's right. I'm not really sure if or how we got money from that. So (laughs) you may have just been feeding the cafe press machine or I uh, might just be dumb. It's all some sort of, it's all some kind of grift going on somewhere. Right, right. But just rest assured, we're not benefiting from it at all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You can always be confident in that. Yes. Uh, Although we really would like to see people wearing the shirts. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah. We should have just done that. Yeah. We've got this whole elaborate plan, cousins. Tom's going as Peggy from Mad Men. I'm going as Joan. And it's just been, it's been a trial. It's, we just, we should have half-assed it. Never yeah. again. <laughs> Next, we have a telegram from cousin Elizabeth in Manila in the Philippines, who writes, Dear cousin Kelly and cousin Tom, I've just finished listening to all you, your Downton Abbey related podcasts, and I just want you to know that I blame you for all the strange looks I've gotten from people I have taken public transportation and elevators with. Because listening to your recaps have made me laugh out loud or snort or unsuccessfully suppress a laugh and end up half chortling, half choking instead, and coughing awkwardly to try and redeem myself. Up Yours Downstairs is the first ever podcast I have listened to, and so far the only one. But you guys have opened me up to the wonderful world of podcasts, and I wanted to thank you for it. While I wait for your Series 3 recaps of Downton Abbey, I will be delving out into that world while listening to your filler episodes as well. I'm glad you're not going to recap Series 3 until January, because by then I will need something to tide me over until Series 4. I don't know if you've heard, but apparently Julian Fellows has a Downton Abbey prequel planned. I'm interested to know what your thoughts are about this. A whole series about Lord and McGee, character ceasefires would prove to be most difficult. I also wanted to share with you this awesome YouTube video, Jane Austen is My Home Girl, which is pretty heavy on the Downton Abbey references. I'm in no way affiliated with the ones who made it. I just found it on YouTube and thought you might enjoy it. Yours, etc., Cousin Elizabeth. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we have heard about the prequel. I don't think we've discussed it on the podcast. Right, I don't think we have, but we saw the, the rumors. Yeah, and I think we, we posted about them online. Uh, if you don't know, basically... It's going to be the story of how Robert and Cora right. met and got married, which, like, Julian Fellows, did you learn nothing from George Lucas? 
Yeah, or or anyone else. I. Why do that as a prequel? Why not show us like the young Dowager Countess? You know, like yeah. the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I just, I don't understand why people don't understand that prequel is an inherently flawed concept because. Do you already know the end? How is this? Uh, oh, you like that moss flower crap. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm referring, of course, to the Red Wall series of books by yes. author Brian Jakes. Right. Uh, which Tom liked way better than I did. <laughs> this is true. When we were both 10. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, I mean, so that's, that's my issue with prequels in general. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm somewhat interested. I mean, it you know it all just depends on is can they build out a whole different story around it that is you know in itself interesting and popular yeah. with interesting characters. Well, and I doubt it. <laughs> right. Well, there's just not that many people in their sphere that we've seen. I mean, unless they're going to be spending more time in London and dealing with like the society aspect and mm-hmm. you know introducing Cora into society, that could be really interesting. But the other problem is I think that they've uh, renewed Downton Abbey, the series proper, for, like, five series. Mm. And there's a lot of, like, scuttlebutt talking about a bunch of sort of major players not coming back mm-hmm. for the fourth season. The most recent rumor is that Dan Stevens, who plays Cousin mm-hmm. Matthew, uh, he's, gonna, he's going off to be in The Heiress on Broadway because, uh, you know, they yeah. have to revive that play, like, every seven years. Sure. Um but, you know, he's, like, looking to stay more or something, you know, stay over here, which I think, and other people agree, is just kind of a ploy to get more money. Mm. But, you know, a lot of these people are going to be trying to sort of strike out and, and capitalize on this versus remaining strapped to the lead balloon that is Mr. Bates' <laughs> foot. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah, no, I'm it's... always skeptical. Uh, I'm, I'm still really optimistic about series three, which we still mm-hmm. haven't seen, Yeah, but I, I just don't know. Right. Cause I think, you know, Maggie Smith was one that wasn't necessarily confirmed uh-huh. to come back. You know, her contract is up after this series. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, well, I mean, I think we'll both have a lot better sense of ourselves once we've seen series three, because to me, you know, at this point you've wrapped up the main storyline that people care about. I guess people care about Mr. Bates, but as you know, the main thing was, has always been Matthew and Mary. And so that's wrapped up. And so if there is a new, if they find new directions and have an interesting season here, well then, okay, mm-hmm. then, then maybe there's some legs to it. Yeah. So that's, this is what I'm, I'm really interested to see if they can pull series three off. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> right. That's pretty much our default thing. <gasps> Next up, we have an excellent telegram from Cousin Chris. It says, Ahoy, ahoy, dearest cousins. So, time to be annoying and play fact checker. But we'll not use the word actually as it, I find, is the most obnoxious word in the English language. Do you feel me on that one? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Enjoyed your podcast on Titanic today while quote-unquote working. So, a few things I thought you might want some info that you had touched on. Third-class deck space. It was, in theory, totally possible for Jack to see Rose on the deck that first time. She had just exited the Veranda Cafe Palm Court, which was at the aft end of the first class A deck promenade. Jack would have been sitting with his ragamuffin friends at the forward starboard corner of the third class poop deck. 
Yes, it's really called a poop deck, <laughs> which was the raised section at the aft end of the ship. Third class did have quite a bit of open but not covered deck space. They had this area and the aft and forward well deck areas where they were when the iceberg hit. The only thing that makes me question it is that James Cameron's Titanic was about 200 feet shorter than the actual ship. So they would have been further apart on the real ship and may not have been able to see each other's perfect bone structure and teen angst. <laughs> Ismay and the Captain Ismay was reported during the inquiry to be pressuring the captain to increase speed. In the scene where they talk in the reception room, you can see a woman in the back who keeps looking over at them in an ugly green dress. She is supposed to be Mrs. Elizabeth Lines, who testified at the inquiry about the conversation that she heard between them. Cameron pretty much just summarized her testimony into this conversation. I don't think Ismay is horrible, though. Creature is time. That's all. Rose and Jack on deck. It was possible for Rose to get down to third class. Round on, though it may be, a first-class passenger could, in theory, have run of the passenger areas. But it was strongly, strongly discouraged. Ultimately, a tip to a steward could get you anywhere you wanted to go. There is a deleted scene that shows Rose going to search for Jack in third class, and when she walks into the general room, there is a literal record scratch where the music stops and everyone stares at the pretty rich lady with perfect bone structure and teen angst. Check, check, check it out. <laughs> third-class beer. The White Star Line wasn't stupid. They had a bar for third class. The steamship, the steamship lines made more money on third than first class. I will throw together a ship map showing where some important scenes happened, so it gives you an idea of scope and realm. It was a big-ass ship with lots of neat locations and cars to fornicate in. By the way, you really need to cheat and stream Downton. You will not believe what happened last night. I totally sobbed. Bon voyage, Cousin Chris. Uh, so last things first. <laughs> One thing... I do have a minor bone to pick, which is that I did totally get spoiled ah. on the thing that happened. Mm. Those of you that know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. Right. And I I'm not. very pissed. Yeah. I'm very upset. I'm very upset. Yes. Kelly has been indeed very upset. And <sighs> I can do nothing for her. As yeah. I'm keeping my, you know, keeping myself... Uh, pure of spoilers. I've promised not to lie, and I've promised not to tell the truth. <laughs> Indeed. No, uh, anyway, so, yes. I'm I'm very curious, though, uh, about Series 3. And it will be interesting in the sense that I do know the thing, and Tom doesn't know the thing. Right. So, so a conflict. It'll be, uh, it'll be a fun, it'll be a fun uh, yes. podcast when we get around to it. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for all of that great information. Yes. It was very, very helpful. It is It is very nice because we do pull everything out of our butts. Not uh, everything, everything. Not everything. On these, yeah, more yeah. so than yeah. the Downton episodes. Well, we that's do a lot true. more research. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's just in that scene uh, in the third class, like the bar was nowhere to be seen. Right. Was our, I think, major issue. Right. It did appear to be like a private kegger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Well, if a tip to a steward can get you anything you want, maybe they just were like, hey, Where's why it? don't you give us that at cost and you <laughs> keep the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I am actually planning on watching the deleted scenes. We may or may not. We'll see how next week goes. If we need any filler, we might talk about We're them always then. on the outlook for filler here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next, we have a telegram from Cousin Carrie who writes, Kelly and Tom... First, I want to say thank you for reading my email. I'm glad to hear that you both saw the movie as much as me. Secondly, I was listening while working out this morning and laughed out loud more than a few times and got some very odd looks from people. I just smiled and kept laughing. 
Thirdly, I so forgot about the song My Heart Will Go On with the dialogue playing during the song. I would freak out whenever that song came on the radio. Needless to say, I have downloaded the song this morning and have already put it on my iPod. Thank you again for a great podcast, Cousin Carrie. I really love all of these letters. I don't think we remark on it enough of how many of you are out there making weird faces and noises and just feeling embarrassed. And yet you you persevere. You yes. keep listening. And so thank you. That's yeah, great. Absolutely. Next up, we have some, a letter from Cousin Bethany. I just lost my shit when Kelly went into her Wisconsin accent. Come on, let's go fuck in this car. <laughs> I almost threw up my chili from trying to contain my laughter in my silent, cold office building. <laughs> thank you. You're uh, you're welcome. Yeah. I uh, I am available on demand to just say things <laughs> in a Wisconsin accent. Competitive rates. Yeah. Very, uh, very affordable for the, uh, weirdo on a budget. (laughs) Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Nicholas, who writes, Dearest Cousins, I just recently discovered your podcast, and from what I've listened to, I don't think you have found any cousins in Guyana. So add that to your list of cousins, if you haven't already. I'm thoroughly enjoying your spunky discussion on Downton Abbey. Don't slow down and keep your heads high. I just wanted to thank you for your Tom Repeats History Fashion Backwards episode in mentioning my country, formerly known as British Guiana, which validated that this podcast was meant for my ears. I should be studying, but your show does actually help me in brushing up on my history. So thank you for bringing a little-known country to light and educating a cousin on his world history. With love, Cousin Nicholas. P.S. The border disputes with Venezuela are still an issue, but it hasn't led to a war yet Uh uh-oh yeah keep us posted on that war situation right we We, would like to know yes and we we can't count on the mainstream media for that sort of we certainly cannot (laughs) rachel maddow can only do so much on her own (laughs) uh so this week we actually have once again two co-cousins of the week okay which i ordinarily wouldn't make a habit of however these two individuals have the very unusual quality of not having seen Titanic in its entirety. Whew. They managed to avoid Titanic throughout all the mania. That is impressive. So, first up, Cousin Jess. Hi, guys. I have literally been sitting here dealing with a computer issue, so I downloaded the new podcast as soon as I could and started listening. I literally laughed out loud when he wondered how someone avoided Titanic for 15 years, and I thought I should tell you how, since I did avoid it for 15 years. When it came out, I made it a point to not watch it for a bunch of reasons. One, I hated that bitch Celine Dion with a passion and that damn song so much, I refused to watch the movie because I thought I would have to hear her voice. Her voice is like nails on a chalkboard for me. Two, I was one of those teenagers that if something was super popular, I would stay away from it simply to piss people off. I hated that everywhere I went, it was all about Titanic. And finally, I had to continue not to watch it because it became this weird source of pride for me that I was not a part of that late 90s phenomenon. And I lasted 15 years until it came out in 3D this spring, and I was finally broken down by my very good friend who could talk me into doing almost anything, and since you run a proper podcast, I feel I should not state how I was convinced to watch. Nothing illegal, but fairly inappropriate, and my dad listens to the podcast too. So I swallowed my pride of a 15-year avoidance and went and saw it. And boy, was I pissed when i found out that the annoying heart will go on song was only in the credits and in general i thought it was okay but i really still don't understand why it was such a huge deal maybe if i had watched in the late 90s i would have felt different about it and to this day i have only seen that one time this spring and i will probably never watch it again cheers 
If I wasn't holding a microphone, I would give you a slow clap. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's well done. Um, I mean, you know, to be fair, the the sort of the riff from my heart will go on is all throughout the movie. That's true, but it, that the riff wasn't the problem for her. It was Celine Dion's well, voice specifically. Fair enough. Yes. Finally, we have a telegram from cousin Olivia, who writes, "Dear cousins Kelly and Tom." Last week, when listening to your podcast about the Titanic, I have to admit, I was fairly surprised to learn that this movie caused such a craze when it came out. I had always known the Titanic was this hugely popular movie, but I had no idea it was at such an extreme. You also mentioned wanting to know if there was anyone out there who had managed to avoid seeing this movie, and I have to tell you, yes. In my 17 years of life, I have only seen the sinking ship portion of this movie, and it happened one day when it was playing on TV while I was sick in bed, drugged with cold medicine, so I really don't remember it all that well. I also have a friend who has never seen the movie at all, and when I asked her why, she told it was because it was five hours long and she doesn't have the attention span, a statement that I can attest to. So I've now formed a theory that anyone born after the mid-90s has possibly never seen Titanic or been a large portion of their life not seeing the movie until the re-release into theaters. I would imagine that this possibility goes down if you were a teenage girl. So I suppose my friend and I are in the minority on this issue. We simply never watched the movie because it was never around for us to watch. I hope you found this helpful in figuring out how to avoid bad movies. Keep up the great work on the podcast. You always make my Mondays brighter. Sincerely, Cousin Olivia. So be young. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, and... It would be different, you know, because if you think of other movies that were huge, uh, like you think about something like Gone with the Wind, which was this huge phenomenon, and it remained mm-hmm. a huge phenomenon for years because there was no home video. Right. So they would, you know, they would put it back out into the theater every couple of years, and you know, so people who had loved it when they were younger would take, you know, their kids or siblings or whoever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thus perpetuate the cycle. Yeah. But with Titanic, and you know, with most releases after you know VHS became standard, right. You know, it goes in the theater, there's a big home video dump, and then, you know, you do what we do, and you watch it on cable every right. every couple months or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I've never seen Avatar. I have no particular plans to, you know, it just, it didn't interest me, and, uh, you know, that's fine. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care how many other people see it. Yeah, I agree. No, and I, uh, I found this all very interesting. So, well done, cousins Jess and Olivia on having avoided Titanic for such a very long time. Yes. Congratulations. We unfortunately cannot <laughs> avoid Titanic no, much longer because it's time for part two. That's right. So this was scenes 21 through 41. Right. Uh, hopefully this breaks down the same on all of the different DVDs formats. but whatever. Yeah. But in any case, you'll just have to deal with it because that's all we got. <laughs> yeah. So we started with a cold breakfast. Right. Which, which looks fairly temperate. Yeah. The sun was out. Yeah. They outside. weren't wearing coats or anything. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. that's the other thing that I wonder about the Titanic is that I feel like we see people going out on deck and stuff with mm-hmm. not very much outerwear. Right. And they're in like right. the North Sea. Like it's very cold. Right. Hence the icebergs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I would imagine that is to a fair extent just a you're not going to film in the North Atlantic and your actors are actual people who have to deal with whatever the real temperature is. Yeah. You know, so I, I assume it's it's something like that. They did say the water was really warm. I remember mm. some sort of making up feature at and yeah. then it was just gross in general. <laughs> so let's let's kick this off with something 
that I've always wondered about. And on this viewing, I feel like I've come to a good conclusion. Okay. So in this first scene, a cold breakfast. <laughs> right. Cal says something to Rose about, oh, I had hoped you would come to me last night. Yeah. And she says, oh, I was tired. And I'm like, are they doing it? Right. Because... And... and- you you brought that up, and I had never even considered it before. I just well, assumed that they had not. The scene where he gives her the curly de mer. Right. And he's like, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd do anything as long as you, like, do whatever I tell you and stuff. Right. And that, to me, seemed like he was trying to proposition her. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. like a first-timed type proposition. Right. But then in this scene, like, there would be no other reason for her to come to him. You would think. In the nighttime. Right. On a boat. <laughs> right. If there weren't some kind of shenanigans going on there. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, and it, it you know, and that's that's not the only kind of hints in that direction either. Um, just sort of her general, she seems like she at least has a little bit of experience. Well, yeah, and, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but there's right. two there's two more things that really cemented it for me. Uh, one is that Cal tells Rose, you're my wife in practice, if not by law. Right. Which to me sounds like a highfalutin, high class common law type marriage, which means <laughs> they're definitely doing it. Right. And then when Jack and Rose do finally have sex in the car, she doesn't seem nonplussed by it at all. Right. Uh, she seems fine yeah and he seems like the kind of guy who'd be like oh like is this your first time like doing all that like touchy-feely crap yeah uh and none of that happens right and like they both like they both go from like running around the titanic to doing it like (laughs) in record time and that kind of makes sense for jack you know you figure he's he's dipped his uh drawing pencil in uh (laughs) a few Eraser holes. I don't know. I don't know how to make a metaphor about pencils and sex. Okay. So we'll just move on then. That's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, so our conclusion is that Cal and Rose were actually having sex. Right. Uh, Unpleasant sex. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. He's basically got her and her mother over a barrel. Yeah. Uh, a fact which doesn't really get communicated as effectively as one might hope. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You don't really... Well, he, he's just so cartoonish. Right. He is. But, I mean, you've got to figure... Like, this is like an evil man. Like, yeah. he's a very bad person. He is. Well, as as we're learning in this, this cold breakfast, he says something along the lines of, you know, you will not see that man again or something like that. And she says, I'm not your factory foreman to order around. And he's like, you're damn right. My foreman has a union. <laughs> <laughs> you got nothing. Uh, and then, you know, he, uh, he sh- shoves all the dishes onto the floor and storms out like you do. Mm-hmm. And she tries to, like, help the maid in classic, like, battered woman syndrome right. thing. And the maid's like, oh, it's fine. He does this after every breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you're not here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, that was a delicious breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, maid, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, then we get, uh, I think it's the same maid. Possibly. Maybe it's a different maid. Could be. Maids all look the same to me. <laughs> Lacing Rose up in her corset. Mm-hmm. So we do see, you know, very authentic period uh, undies and camisole and all yeah, that yeah, all yeah. that business. 
So her mom comes in and, and shoes the maid out and is, you know, she takes over. Right. Lacing up her corset and she's all like, hey, don't piss that dude off. Right. We don't have any money. Yeah. Well, she, both Cal and her mom say, do you understand me to her? And both times there's like this long pause while she looks at them and is like, that's the, I understand you. I'm just not going to do what you say. Mm -hmm. Like, you should maybe come up with a better line. Yeah. And, and Francis, uh, Fisher's eyes in this scene are terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like they don't have any pupils. Yeah. They just look like these horrible, empty blue orbs. Yeah. No, and she's definitely much better than Cal. Oh, yeah. You know, just this performance and a character and everything. Her whole thing in this, you know, as she says in this, do you want to see me go off and become a seamstress? Mm -hmm. You know, which doesn't seem like a great... uh, Seems like a step down. Yeah. From having 20 paintings in a stateroom. (laughs) Right. On the Titanic. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so she's like, Rose, you got to marry this dude. And Rose is like, me, how come I never get to do what I want? She's all getting ready to sing Rose's turn from Gypsy. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> the, w- w- I Mama's gonna dance. Mama's gonna. Anyway. That would be awesome to a certain type of audience member. Yeah, me. Right. Probably like five other people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Oh, but she's been absolutely expressly forbidden from seeing Jack by both yes. of these people who've obviously never read the how to deal with your headstrong, rebellious <laughs> child slash fiance handbook. Right. <laughs> Just like literally like make a deal with her. Like, listen, tell you what, when we get to New York, why don't you go see where he's staying and mm-hmm. then decide if you keep want to keep dating him. You know? See, that's like, no, no, they should have done the thing, you know, like where you make a kid smoke a whole carton of cigarettes <laughs> to keep him from smoking. Which we do not endorse. Which we don't endorse. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. they should have been like, okay, great. Uh, you go live with him for six months yeah. and then we'll come and uh, we'll go out for tea and we'll see how hard you're crying yeah. and whether we want to take <laughs> you back. <laughs> right. You go go to him right now. I believe he's staying on the rat deck. <laughs> so go go stay with him and the five other strange men he's roomed with that don't speak English. Not and, uh, Sven, though. No. If only Sven were there. <laughs> I feel like Sven could have provided a good future for Rose. That's like the AU fan fiction. <laughs> of titanic what if jack never won the ticket and rose fell in love with sven despite the fact that he speaks no english that would be weird i really want to write that fan fiction now there's nothing stopping you yeah there is i'm really busy (laughs) yeah that's true but uh that would be a great fan fiction (laughs) so hey free fan fiction idea (laughs) if any of you are still writing titanic fan fiction at this late date (laughs) Knock yourselves out. Yeah. <sighs> then we have to go to church. <laughs> Where is it written? Is it in the Bible that every time there's a Titanic movie, we have to go to church? I think it may be. I haven't read the thing all the way through. I I feel like I didn't, but I said that I did for so long that I <laughs> thought that I did. That makes sense. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They're there doing their best white people at church singing. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the Navy hymn, but I could be wrong about that. Because um, I think it's the one that talks about, like, those in peril on the sea and stuff. But 
Oh, ironico. Yeah, indeed. No, and like, so Jack's trying to get in to see Rose, which number one, who goes to talk to someone in the middle of church? Uh, you know. No one. That's who. <laughs> he, he picked up some like atheist ideas in Paris or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't quite atheist. He, well, was, he was going to bust in there and be like, listen to you all. Religion is the opiate of the masses. <laughs> also, can I talk with Rose? <laughs> Rose, who is a very attentive churchgoer. Uh, look, when I was feeling young and rambunctious and anti everything that my family said, well, you know, now. Right. Uh, I never paid a damn lick of attention in church. I was like looking at the stained glass windows. I was reading the bulletin. I was picking my nose. I was thinking about sex with people. Like. she may have been thinking about sex with people. She may have been, but she was very studiously studying her hymnal, maybe just to avoid looking at her mother or Cal, since she doesn't like either one of them. Yeah, that's true. She, her options weren't great. But both Cal and her mother see Jack, like, trying to get in. <laughs> Go into the chapel and I'm interrupting hymns. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, the manservant. Lovejoy. Lovejoy? Really? Oh, yes. His name is Lovejoy. His name is Lovejoy. Absolutely it is. Oh, James Cameron. Oh, JC. I just don't even understand. Yeah. Do you think James Cameron read the the Graves of Wrath and that one guy whose initials are JC, whose name I don't remember? But uh, my teacher was like, well, his initials are J.C. And anytime you read Western literature and a character's initials are J.C., they're a Christ figure. It was Jim something. I I cannot answer that as I have not read The Jim Grapes Croce? of Wrath. Jim Croce? I've claimed to have read The Grapes of Wrath. Oh, I've written, I've written don't papers do it. about Ugh. it. Rosa Sharn, gross. I, Just gross. Okay. That book has all of my least favorite things. Christ figures... With the initials of JC. Because that's just cheating, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know. Secondly, lady, spoilers, if you haven't read The Grips of Wrath <laughs> yet and you want to be surprised <laughs> by how horrible it is, <laughs> stop listening for the next 10 seconds. But Rosa Sharn loses her baby, but she's still got breast milk and they come across this dying old starving man and she feeds him from her lactating bosom, which to me... I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I feel like we've talked about this on this podcast before. It, it may or may not be true. I'm not doing it. The listen. The bottom line is all those people who are clamoring us for us to do a Grapes of Wrath episode. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> not even the right time period. No, it isn't. Uh, how do we get here? Lovejoy. Right. Okay. So, so Lovejoy comes along and is uh, you know evil like he does. He's more kind of like he's immoral. But I think, you know, he's just a mercenary. Yeah. He, yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't particularly, like, I think he likes his job. Right. Of he, being. I, is, he takes more pleasure, like, because I almost, I like him almost less than Cal, because Cal just is like, can he, he doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> like, he's just so filled with rage all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lovejoy, he's enjoying it. Okay. Th- that's my personal opinion. But see, I enjoy that he's enjoying it. Well, okay. That's fair. Uh, in any case, he uh, gives the stewards a uh, tip. Well, he tried to give it to Jack. Right. But Jack was like, I don't want your money. And I'm like, 
you gotta get off this ship sometime. You New are. York's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So instead he gives it to the stewards who, as uh, previously discussed, are quite willing for a tip to do whatever is called upon. Uh, and in this case, it's kick out this uh, street rat. Uh-huh. Uh, and they do. But <laughs> And that was the end of Jack Dawson. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. He devises a clever plan. Which is to steal a coat and a hat that somebody's left lying around uh, and put them on, thus transforming himself from a Eliza Doolittle to the lady, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a different name when you, when you dressed her up? I don't remember, man. Anyway. I saw that musical one time in Stratford, and man, it was awful. Anyway, the point is, he can now pass for respectable because he's got a bowler on. Mm-hmm. and uh, That's how it works. Yeah. I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so respectful of you right now. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so yeah, so he grabs her or whatever. But I do also want to point out that there's the obligatory scene of mr andrews talking to rose about the lifeboats right and how she can do basic math and there's not enough of them and he's like you miss nothing do you rose and i'm like she misses plenty (laughs) but you can just see him like the subtext he's like i bet your vagina is magical (laughs) i've never seen a vagina that could do basic mathematics before (laughs) um but yeah then uh Ninja Jack leaps out from his clever disguise and pulls Rose into uh, a gym. A gymnasium. Yeah, which excited me. I now want to look up what gyms were like mm-hmm. in Edwardian times. I just want to say, Ninja, Ninja, Jack. <laughs> it's going to be a very song-heavy episode. I don't know why. I've just got the muse today. All right. Um, yes, and then uh, again proves what... A really surprisingly bad actor Leonardo DiCaprio is. That scene, it feels like Leonardo DiCaprio is auditioning for the Drama Guild production of Picnic. Right. Like, it's like, so overwrought. And, and you like can, you can hear all the beats that he wrote in his script uh-huh. and then checked with James Cameron whether those beats were okay. And, and it's like, just, like, not even compelling at all. Yeah. He's like, oh, if you stay with them, Rose, it's going to kill you. It's going to, yeah. That's, gonna, I'm like, no, it's not. She'll be dead inside, but that's not the same. Yeah, well, he says... Maybe not right away. And I was like, well, yeah, in the long term, she'll die. In the long term, everybody dies. And I can't, and not only that, this is, this is him saying that if she marries Cal, she'll die. And everybody involved in the scene takes this seriously. And apparently the filmmaker does it as well in a movie about the Titanic where millions, thousands of people actually die. Adjusted for inflation. Yeah. Or, just people are actually dying and I believe it was just over a thousand that okay died. I yeah but the point is they did not they did not have a loveless marriage the people that froze to death in the North Atlantic they actually died yeah they would gladly trade places yeah for sure yeah Cal's rich dude yeah that may well have been his car <laughs> <laughs> wow just to add insult to insult to injury. <laughs> so anyway, Rose is all like, I can't see you anymore. I love Cal. Goodbye. Right. And, you know, flounces out with her flounciness. But she's <laughs> so pretty. I just can't stay mad at her. Oh, I can't either. Um. So then she goes and she's like at tea and her mom's like blabbing about some crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
and she sees this little girl like getting trained up to be a lady. Yeah. And once again, a credit to Kate Winslet. Her face has all these emotions, even though it's literally the dumbest, <laughs> most obvious scenario. Yeah. Uh, they might as well have had a flashback. Right. That and that, that kid seems happy enough. No, she didn't. She wasn't upset. Yeah. She wasn't trying to run off with some little ragamuffin from steerage. <laughs> right. Well, nobody was, like, beating her. Yeah. Surely children were beaten at the time. You could have had that. <laughs> <laughs> that could have changed her mind. But uh, anyway, she she takes from that the lesson is that she should go and be with Jack because, God forbid, she should wear a fancy hat. Right. And fold her napkin correctly in her lap. Yeah. Uh, so she runs out, and he's out on the prow of the ship. Right. Which and so she is. She's like, well, let's see. Our special place was at the stern, so I'm going to go to the exact opposite end of the ship and see if he's there by chance. Mm-hmm. And he is. She did say she asked somebody, oh, did and she? I think that must be the deleted scene referred to by cousin Chris, where right. she goes down there and she's like, I'm looking for Jack. Oh, and the steward said, Oh, he's up where nobody's allowed to be, right, right through there. I assume she talked to his friends, not the steward. All right. I'm just say, calling it like I see it, Tom. That, no, that, that's fair. Um, but no, yes. but I like that his plan was just to hang out there. Well, I figure he'd been running the scam with like five or six rich ladies. And <laughs> one of them was bound to turn up. He's like, ah, good choice. There's going to be a movie about you now. <laughs> he'd been dining in first class every night, just wearing a different hat. <laughs> and coat. <laughs> Molly Brown's been keeping him in Texas. <laughs> She's like, go ahead. I'm bored as shit. <laughs> yeah, so then he has her climb up on the rails to do the whole, I'm flying, Jack. First of all, no, you're not. You're not flying. Right. <laughs> you're not aerodynamically constructed to fly. <laughs> Number two, isn't climbing on the rails of this ship what got y'all in this mess in the first place? Yeah, well, it's the other side of the ships. It's a whole different thing. Well, no, I mean, to me, the thing that got me about it was she runs up and she's like, Jack, I've changed my mind. And then she starts to say something that's like, shh, take my hand, close her eyes. She's like, well, I I thought I wasn't going to get bossed around anymore, but sure, I'll do whatever you say without asking questions. That's that's empowering. I guess I can wait till women achieve suffrage. (laughs) So, yeah, so then, uh, you know... So she's flying, and that's great. And the theme of Titanic continues to play with its stupid Celtic flute, even though none of the characters are Celtic. Except that one guy. Except that one guy, which, yeah. again, much rather see a movie about Tommy O'Reilly. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see it. That dude is the most attractive dude in the movie. I'm saying it. Oh, no. Except for Victor Garber. <laughs> okay. Oh, Victor Garber. What a babe. This this podcast is pro Garber. Yes. Um. Yeah, but then they head back to the uh, the state room, mm-hmm. and um, she shows him her Monet painting. Yeah. Who, of and, course, he knows all about Monet. Oh yeah, and he's like, see how he uses color here, and she's like, oh yeah, it's so great. I'm like, ah, I call bullshit. Neither of you knows a damn thing about art. No. See how he they're uses both hipsters, color. man. She's like the trust fund hipster, and he's <laughs> like, you know, the penniless hipster. Yep. Yeah, this is the infamous uh, boobs scene. You know what? And Jack will be fine. To, he doesn't have a trust fund, but on, he can go back to his farm any time and get, you know, he'll be fine. He's just running around on the world like sow his oats, and then he'll head back and, like, you know, plant some wheat and Yeah, they'll, s- they'll slaughter the fatted calf when he returns. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Chippewa Falls or whatever. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm back. <laughs> I fucked in a car. <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> oh, well, best to get out to the back 40. <laughs> So yeah, so Rose shows him the giant diamond, and she's yeah. all like, "Ah, oh, I want you to draw me all naked, like." And then he's like, "That's weird." Yeah, I think his his reaction is appropriate. He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Really? Would Listen, you, I don't know be- why you think I'm cozying up to you. I'm tired of being around naked ladies all the time." <laughs> if she wants to be drawn with the diamond, just she was like, "I want to be naked, but I don't want anybody to think I'm poor." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I know we said we were going to talk about this, but there's like this big close up of her eye yeah. that then horrifically turns <laughs> into Gloria Stewart's eye as she says, it was the most erotic moment of my life. Well, up to that point. And like everyone in the world, <laughs> their genitals shrivel and crawl back up into their bodies. No, it's just there There are parts of this. Anytime it, it flips back and forth between the two time periods, it turns into a horror movie for five to ten seconds. Because <laughs> <laughs> it happens like before that, that, that when they're... I know what you did in the summer of 1912. <laughs> Yeah, because they do the same thing earlier when she's flying on the prow, mm-hmm. and then it fades into the, like, moldering corpse of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. It's like, good lord. Like, I, well, you know. I mean, I guess, hey, it is the Titanic. It yeah. Is, uh, it is uh, sad. It is, <laughs> except that, like, 75% of this movie would have you believe otherwise. Right, right. Uh, so, anytime, though, it goes back to them, it's just like, oh, exposition break. Because, like, you know, the one old fat dude wearing a texas t-shirt who you know is a conspiracy theorist who loves the x-files he's like man smith knew the whole time man and in jfk and the titanic man titanic was an inside job that was a government-funded iceberg No, and every time I'm just like, oh, it's like the exposition slide. Like, you can feel it. Exposition. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. Bill Paxton starts dancing with his awful, awful haircut. It is so hard to decide. Well, I like that image, too, because it sounds as if he's dancing with his haircut as his partner. Uh, he would have no choice. It's an aggressive, aggressive haircut. Yeah, it's going to lead. Yeah. That haircut's the reason he got that job on Big Love. <laughs> sure. Anyway, let us speak no more. Right. We weren't going to. Of those horrible people. Yeah. Who don't exist, as far as we're concerned. They only exist to say things that they all would already know. That <laughs> right. literally every person there, Rose knows, because she was on the freaking boat. <laughs> right. I'm sure that her, like, daughter or granddaughter or whoever the hell that is that she brought <laughs> with her to randomly hook up with Bill Paxton in the end <laughs> is like, yeah, she talks about this all the time. Yeah. She's acting like she doesn't talk she, every freaking day. <laughs> She's like, oh, did I ever tell you the story of my lost love on the Titanic <laughs> and the giant blue diamond that I lost forever? She's like, yes, Grandma, go back to painting your pottery or flying a plane <laughs> or whatever the hell it is that you do now. You spry old woman. <laughs> So 
so yeah so uh jack jack has her uh laying on the couch yeah. Which I don't think is what they would have called it. I think he would have called it a credenza. Is that what you think? I do think that. All right. Yes, we now, this is the moment at which past self in the theaters perks his ears up and is like, oh, okay, boobs. Soon there'll be like dying. All right, I'm paying attention again now. <laughs> boobs and death. The Tom <laughs> Schneider story. It's the Titanic story, really. Good point. Uh, no, and it is the most erotic drawing of all time, uh, <laughs> with James Cameron's hands attempting to look like Leonardo DiCaprio's hands. Indeed. I like to think that the whole thing started when James Cameron was like, well, I want to draw Kate Winslet naked. Mm-hmm. What's the simplest way mm-hmm. I could make that happen? And this is what he came up with. Yeah. No, I, I agree, actually. I think there's a very strong voyeuristic sense mm-hmm. i mean i think that's why she looks so pretty in the movie honestly because mm, yeah. he because like god her skin in this movie is like phosphorescent yeah it's it is beautiful it is it's literally glowing and uh no i think james cameron did he just wanted to see her naked yeah. he's like i like this kid let's uh let's make this happen <laughs> yes and and in case you're wondering why they're just hanging around the stateroom which is also as you'll recall cal's stateroom She's assured Jack that he will, won't be back as long as the brandy and cigars don't run out. I assume they packed enough for the whole trip. At some point, he will have actually had enough brandy and cigars mm-hmm. and will come back. Uh, but in any case, we cut to him in the brandy and cigar room, wherever that is, talking to Lovejoy, who apparently says they can't find anyone anywhere. I guess they were looking for... I guess they were looking for both of them. I don't know. Yeah, in any case, I don't even care at this point. They haven't found it, but he's like, it's a ship. They have to be somewhere. I'm like, dude, it's the biggest ship in the world. There's plenty of places also, they could be hiding. Also, did no one see them going into your stateroom? Apparently, apparently not. Well, maybe it was wearing that bowler. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was like, That's a- well, he's wearing a bowler. He's got that invisibility bowler. <laughs> Uh, but of course, eventually, Lovejoy does go back and check the stateroom, causing a hilarious chase scene set to a jaunty Irish troublemaking tune, oh, right. despite the fact, again, that no one involved here is Irish. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, like, they're they're both laughing and, and having a great time, and I'm like, like, Jack could probably, like get put in jail just for like being there and also this guy seems like he would kill someone as soon as look at them like if they just like i feel like they could take him up before a judge and say yeah he kidnapped my wife and Mm -hmm. like you know that would just be the end of it yeah i mean money's clearly not an object for cal right and they're doing you know completely asinine shit anyway i mean (laughs) nobody on the staff is gonna vouch for these two because they're assholes jack like (laughs) runs into this whole like tray like of silver service and he's like oh (laughs) and he just keeps going yeah then they wind up in the freaking boiler room yeah she's running through the boiler room in this gauzy dress i'm like that thing is gonna catch on fire yeah you're going to be killed like (laughs) no because this guy's like oh yeah he's supposed to be down here and they're all like oh we're whimsical like no seriously if you take a wrong turn you will burn to death (laughs) they're like oh <laughs> How drunk! <laughs> yeah. Earlier, when they were going down the elevator, uh, Rose gives Lovejoy the finger, mm-hmm. which I was like, "Wow!" Which I knew it had been around like for a long time, 
It is, I think, anachronistic in this particular usage. I think I actually went onto Wikipedia. Oh, right away because I had to find out. Um, and it dates back to like Greek and Roman times originally. Okay, but, I feel like I've heard all this before. Right, but it was first documented in America in 1886 when a pitcher on the Boston Bean Eaters. Old Hoss Radborn was photographed giving the finger to a member of the New York Giants. God, and it's uh, it's believed it came over here with Italian immigrants. Okay, been a thing there. So then they shouldn't use it in Deadwood, and I think that they do. All right, fair enough. Secondly, what a horrible, horrible time to be alive in America. <laughs> what was his name? Old Hoss Radburn. Oh my god, and the Boston Bean Eaters? The Boston Bean Eaters. I just love how most of like America's <laughs> early history is just the result of people having like really uncreative, uh, racist shit to say about <laughs> each other. They're like, ah, you bean eater, you garlic eater. Oh, wait till I stick old Hoss on you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thank God we live now when the worst thing going on is uh, the Twilight movies. (laughs) Yeah. We also at some point in here had a horribly portentous scene on the bridge. Oh, uh, Where it was as calm as a mill pond and not a breath of wind. And uh, the mate or whatever says, of course, that'll make icebergs harder to see. Wink. And uh, Captain Smith just sort of stands there and looks down. He's like... Yeah, well, won't make this tea any less delicious. Yeah. I'll be in my room <laughs> having some tea. Masturbating <laughs> with my lemon slice. <laughs> I assume. I, that's not a good assumption, oh. I have to say. <laughs> I, well, anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> so, yeah, they get down in the hold and they uh, they see that car. Yeah. The car. The car. Yeah. And uh, they decide to get in there and uh, do it. Right. And again, they get there very quickly. Like, they get in the car and immediately, <laughs> immediately, Jack's like, uh, are you nervous? And she's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she really isn't. She apparently was born ready yeah. for this. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's the old uh, James Cameron school of filmmaking. You can't show a car in the first act without having somebody banging it in the second act. Right. So And, and see it flooded in the third. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, you know, Cal's still, like, searching around frantically for her. Right. I think uh, what well, he finds in the stateroom... Because she left... Uh, yeah, she left. She saucily left <laughs> the naked photo... Uh, I'm sorry, the naked portrait of her... Right, right. ...in the safe with that giant, disgusting necklace. <laughs> yeah. With the note on official, uh, you know, White Star Line stationery. Darling, now you can keep us both locked up in your safe. <laughs> <laughs> also, can you spare any change? We're <laughs> terrifically poor. <laughs> So he's all mad and he, you right. know, he calls, you know, the police or whatever uh, yeah. to come and, and, and uh, I don't, I don't even know. know. Yeah. Dust for prints. What do they do on that <laughs> copper show? <laughs> I, I couldn't say. Uh, so while that's going on, uh, a very sweaty palm slaps against the glass of the car. Right. Which we think is Rose's hand. Yeah. But from the angle at which it's filmed, it doesn't make any sense. Because 
Right. Unless they were having really athletic sex. Right. Which, I mean, you just can't in a car. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially a period car. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to say, as, as we said, neither of them have particularly masculine hands. Yeah. So we're not sure whose hand that was. Any but theories? if he was if he was on top, I just don't see that he could have like the leverage, you know. Right, but I mean, it's hard to say, you know, exactly what the interior geography of the car is either. So. That's true. Yeah. Anybody got a, a blueprint of the interior of that car? <laughs> right. Please send it in. It really help us out. Uh, so they get done doing it, mm-hmm. and somehow Cal decides to send people down to the hold. To look for them. Well, they they track them all the way because they left a string of like angry employees. <laughs> in the so they pretty much just follow that trail. So there's these two stewards, and they see like the handprints all smeary on the car, and the one's like, "Cool, <laughs> we gotta get them now." And I don't, I don't even know what that, that accent was. Yeah, I don't either. But they they open the car, and they're like, "Gotcha!" And there's of course nobody there. Right. Yes, and then we cut to the scene in which premarital sex sinks the Titanic. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> they uh, they run out uh, onto a deck somewhere and are laughing hysterically because they, they just did it. And, uh, and Rose informs Jack that she's getting off with him. <laughs> and I laugh yes. really hard. Yeah. But she means in New York. And I'm like, that's what she said. (laughs) No, no. She means she's going to throw away her whole life and all of her pretty dresses to go hang out with this fucker. Yeah. She really should have packed a bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, Possibly kept that necklace. Yeah. Done any number. There are probably some stocks and bonds in there. You could have left a note saying, I stole your necklace, but here's this drawing. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, incidentally, that's my exit strategy for this marriage. (laughs) Of course, the drawing is going to suck because I'm probably going to have to do it myself. And it's going to look horrible. Like just it's going to be like a stick figure with boobs and like the necklace will look like a weird like rose that got destroyed by demons. (laughs) I'll keep it framed on my desk. (laughs) Well, it's your funeral. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, so they're uh, reveling in each other's company, and the lookout uh, sees them down there, and can't help but look, and like gets the other one is like, "Hey, look at those two, hey." That's how we could keep warm. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'd rather be cold then." <laughs> but then they see the iceberg. Yeah, and the guy goes, "Bugger me!" And I'm, <laughs> didn't you just say you didn't want to get bugger? <laughs> right. Come on, man. Be consistent. Like. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> Look it up in James Cameron's big book of British slang. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, but yes, they so iceberg right ahead, etc. Alarms, bells, whistles being pulled back and forth, wheels being turned, etc. Yeah, flurry of activity. Yes. At one point, somebody's turning a wheel, and then somebody else shoves him out of the way and continues turning the wheel. I was like, the, the first guy seemed to be doing yeah, a fine job. Yeah, I don't think you'd really that, turn yeah. it that much faster. Yeah. But uh, below decks, Fabrizio starts awake because 
Uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's always got to be the Italian who realizes something's wrong on the Titanic. It's true. It happened in Julian Fellows's, and now it's happening to <laughs> Fabrizio. He's like, life is beautiful. <laughs> but sadly, it is not. It's very unbeautiful. Yeah. The uh... And it's not just the crappy, outdated CGI. <laughs> no. The, uh, the, the, the ship is pierced through, you know, five compartments. You know what thing, happened et cetera, et cetera. at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really stopped taking notes here because something interesting was finally happening. <laughs> right. Namely, the sinking of the ship. Yeah. Also, Victor Garber was looking, like, super guilty. Yeah. And there's nothing more sexy than a guilty Garber. <laughs> I wish he was my husband. Gosh, he's famous. He could probably get me the whole cast of Downton Abbey on this podcast. You, you probably could. This podcast would be way more successful. You'd really be better off. I would be. Yeah. Victor Garber, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm taking applications <laughs> from people named Victor Garber. Right. That were also in the movie Titanic. Yeah. If you're if you're named Victor Garber and are in the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Send me a telegram. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so b- both of our notes got a little more spotty at this point because we were riveted. Apparently. Apparently, This right? is the weird part. I know. This part of the movie isn't any better than the rest of the movie. <laughs> right. It's just that more, like, things are exploding. Well, it's more fast-paced, I suppose. It is a lot more fast-paced. So the long and the short of it is... Uh, they Jack and Rose see the iceberg hit. Did anyone actually see the iceberg hit? That is actually a good question. I would, I would. Cousins Chris, Liz. Yes. Other Titanic aficionados. Was there a witness? Because in the fellows version. Right. It was uh, Toby Jones. Jones saw it. And in this version, it's them. Right. So they see it and they rose idiotically is like, we have to go tell mother and Cal. Yeah. And I'm like, you basically essentially already abandoned your mother to be penniless. Right. So now you're suddenly all concerned. Yeah. And also, I think work's going to get around. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I would feel confident if I saw a ship hit an iceberg that the captain, perhaps, or one of the various officers might notice the iceberg and take appropriate action. Well, and if she had gone back by herself... Yeah. Things might have gone down a little bit differently. True. But, like, you know, it's just, it's like on Roseanne when Becky elopes with Mark <laughs> and she brings him back and everyone's mad. Yeah. But it's like she walks into their stateroom, like, holding Jack's hand. Right. And it's just, it's bad. It's yeah. awkward and horrible. Yeah. And uh, Lovejoy has planted the, the necklace in his pocket, of course. Yes. And, you know, it turns out that they realize that he stole the coat that he's wearing. <laughs> right. And he's like, don't you believe it, Rose? Don't you believe it, Rose? Don't you believe it? He just keeps saying it. It's true. He also says that he only borrowed the coat and was planning to return it, which I call bullshit. Oh, no, he one. definitely wasn't. You were not returning that. You already lost the bowler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the source of all of your power. <laughs> So the Master of Arms hustles him away, and Cal slaps Rose. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, why should we show an abusive relationship with any nuance or... Uh, well, you know... I mean, I'm not, not saying he shouldn't... Not an abusive relationship with any nuance, but just a character with any nuance. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just always from zero to slap with that guy. It's true. And it's, you know, I know that Rose has to stay with him for the money thing, mm-hmm. but it just would have been more intriguing if there was some other 
connection. Yeah. You know, if, if she was getting anything else out of it. Well, I just, I mean, I'd be more interested in it to an extent. I'd be more interested in seeing it where she just, like, he's not a particularly bad person. She just doesn't like him mm-hmm. and doesn't enjoy his company and doesn't well, want to be around him. But then we might lose our sympathy for the character, Tom, because why would any woman not want to marry someone unless he was hitting her? Yeah, that's a good point. That was, that was the, the, the natural state. The this, natural state of women is to be married to whoever's standing next to them. Right. This is the big feminist statement of the 90s. was like, listen, women, if a boy hits you, it's okay to not like him anymore. Yeah. This was an, this was an advance at that point. It was an advance. Yeah. I know. God, that's so depressing. That's, uh, that's what our podcast is all about, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, a scene somewhere in here with... Uh, Fabrizio and uh and Tommy O'Reilly Tommy O'Reilly running along the uh, rats are fleeing steerage which made me realize that somewhere in the budget for Titanic there is a line item that says simply rats. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder how much it costs to rent rats for a day. More than you'd think. I that's yeah, it's I like- don't want to reveal why I know that <laughs> because I don't want the humane society <laughs> coming and finding me. <laughs> Because, oh, they could. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I'd put all the blame on someone else, but... Good thinking. I could potentially still be on the hook for it. All right. So, anyway, don't ever try to make a movie yourself, America. (laughs) Yes. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Big budget studio, way to go. All right. Um, Yeah, so Jack has been handcuffed to some pipes somewhere. Right. Uh, it's in the the crew corridor. Yeah, like it's clearly because later Rose will ask Victor Garber where it would be, mm-hmm. and he has an immediate answer for that. So, and I, I, it, it, I'm a little bit surprised. I kind of would have thought they would have had. Yeah, they would have a, had a hold. Oh, yeah, a cell or two somewhere, and the, this was like just an office, mm-hmm. clearly. So, well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe so I'm, I'm, maybe the hold uh the the holding cells were underwater by this point. Yeah. I don't know. I agree though. Yeah, so it's it's hard to say. Well, I mean at the time that Jack was arrested, nobody in the room except for Jack and Rose knew that there was a problem. But in any case, yeah, so that's that's something I'm a little curious about. Also, shouldn't Rose have been a little more insistent about the boat fucking sinking? Oh, right. She should have been like, "No, no, don't do it. He's f- innocent." Also, by the way, the boat is sinking. Yes. Well, I guess she didn't know that it was sinking. She just true. knew that they had hit an iceberg. Yeah, that's true. Um, Makes be- it all the more questionable that she felt the need to go back there. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she winds up, you know, in some fancy area <laughs> yes. with uh, with Billy Zane. And she sees uh, Victor Garber walking by haunted, haunted in his eyes. Yeah. Oh, man. Very haunted. And Rose, with her magical vagina and ability to do sums, puts <laughs> yes. two and two together and says, oh, something bad's going on because you look sad. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're all going to die. And she's like, fuck. Yeah. I will say one of the things I, I really do like about this movie, you know, as contrived as it is with the amount of space they have to do it in, but I just enjoy the fact that they have a relationship, the two of them. No. I, and Which makes much more sense in the scene where Jack says, hi, Mr. Andrews. And Mr. <laughs> Andrews says, oh, hello, Jack. <laughs> right. Like, what? Yeah. Is this a Prince and the Popper situation? <laughs> Are you actually Mr. Andrews' son? <laughs> 
I know. He wasn't even wearing his bowler then. <laughs> so I forget what happens next. Well, um, in the uh, the office that Jack is handcuffed in, the master at arms or whatever is uh, called away on ship sinking related duties. <laughs> and uh, Lovejoy pulls a gun out of his jacket and says, oh, I'll keep an eye on him. Like, what do you need the gun for? He's handcuffed to a pipe. On like, a sinking on a boat. Sinking, yeah, I think, I think he's, you've got this covered. But no, and he, so he, uh, he, he punches Jack for no reason. He says it's a, this is a message from Cal. 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 He use what's his real name? Something Hockley. Cal. Cal- Caledon. Cal. Yeah, I think it might be Caledon. Okay. Which is a horrible name. It, anyway, but yeah, a message from Caledon jerkly or whatever and punches him in the stomach and walks off and it just like i just like he was hired for this purpose like at some point in the philadelphia inquirer there was a listing that was like you know local steel air seeks dick must be willing to punch (laughs) helpless men competitive wages (laughs) taking of human life no issue (laughs) uh so sort of at the same time as that's going on they're getting Ruth, uh, Rose's mother, into a boat. Yeah. They're trying to get Rose in the boat. Cal, you know, is is wanting to get in the boat. Is that when he's wanting to get in the boat? I think he always wants to get in the boat. I can't remember if this happens. When does she call him an unimaginable bastard? I don't know. Anyway, at some point, Rose is saying, like, oh, you know... Every you know half the people on this ship are going to die, blah, right. blah blah. And he's like, "Oh, I should have held on to that drawing. It's going to be worth way more money tomorrow." And I was like, "Ring a ding ding." <laughs> Good point, buddy. Yeah, you know it'd also be worth a lot more tomorrow. Those Monets. Yeah. Oof. Really, hang on mm. to them. Well, he uh, he doesn't like Rose's taste in anything. Yeah, that's really true. any item that was on the Titanic, <laughs> like yeah. even like a lump of poo. <laughs> that somebody left while shitting themselves in terror. That's true. If Titanic pool went on the auction market today, it would fetch a surprising mm-hmm. amount of money. From James Cameron. <laughs> He's like, I collect feces from many disasters throughout history. Yep. This is the poo of Pompeii. <laughs> and here, this is the dump someone took during the Blitzkrieg. <laughs> Yes, I keep it all here in my stink shed. Can, can I go now? <laughs> Smell it. Oh, my. I just imagine going over to James Cameron's house is insufferable. Because yeah. he's like, oh, hey, come look at this thing. And like, oh, I just want to watch a movie in your fancy, like, stadium-style seating private theater. And eat your Avatar popcorn. Yeah, and drink some rich people wine. <laughs> Uh, so yes. Anyway, Rose doesn't get on the lifeboat. Right. Uh, rather callously is just like, goodbye, mother, and runs away. Yeah. And Cal, like, tries to stop her, but then she, like, spits at his eye, and that flummoxes him. Yeah. Like, he's got her. Like, he's got a good grip on her, and I was watching this specifically, and she just spits at him, and then it's like, he just lets go. I'm like, it's spit, man. Maybe she's poisonous. Mm. Then Leonardo DiCaprio only has minutes to live. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, so she's she's on a mission to find him. Uh, she sees Victor Garber and, and gets the information from him as to where he is. 
She hijacks an elevator. She hijacks an elevator and says that she's she's done being polite. And I'm like, at what point have you been polite? Yeah. Like, that hasn't been your thing. What she meant was, I'm not through endangering people's lives needlessly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and, then, and, so the, and so she, like, shoves her way in, and then the elevator, like, goes ahead and... The elevator operator goes ahead and, like, sends it down. I'm like, you could just, like, not operate the elevators still. You're not... You don't have to do that but she's headstrong tom headstrong and uh you know the water rushes in at the bottom which is why you don't take the down elevator on a sinking ship but love tom yeah well and it's still only you know ankle deep or whatever so the elevator operator bails and she runs around yelling for jack and eventually finds him of course lovejoy took the key he's not an idiot um and so they're you know she's running around so jack tells her to go out and find help it's like i don't know what yeah, uh, what help? help? Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're in a tight spot. I don't know. It's not like I would have had great advice in that situation. Yeah, she goes out. Some random guy is the only other person on the corridor and like shoves past her. Like I want to know what that guy's story was. Uh-huh. What was he still? He doing was down speaking there? Russian. I thought it's. I wasn't clear, but yeah, I thought I heard him saying yet. Okay. Um. Yeah. But then, like, another steward comes by, and he is clearly in, like, panic mode, and yeah. he's, like, trying to drag her with him, and then she punches him in the nose. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, yeah, peace out. <laughs> right. Which, good call, uh-huh. steward. Yeah. So then she finds an axe. Right. Like, a fire axe, mm-hmm. and takes that in, and decides to, uh, chop the handcuffs loose in a bit of MacGuffinry. Right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I don't really have a problem with this scene I, because it's like clearly, like Leonardo DiCaprio is well aware that she's probably going to chop his arm off, but it's just clearly a situation where it's better to take the five percent chance that she doesn't chop his arm off than the one hundred percent chance that he drowns. That is all that. That is not what bugs me. What bugs me is when she does finally take the swing, she closes her eyes and manages to do it perfectly. Well, I mean. I, see, this is what I'm saying about it. It's been made perfectly clear that she has no, like, she cannot, it's completely random, regardless. Okay. That's because she takes the practice swings and misses by a foot, and she has no control over this axe. So I guess I would just as soon have had them find the key somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know where or how, but I find that that would have been more interesting and believable. Fair enough. That than was- what actually happened. Not one of the things that bothered me most about this movie, but there is there's just a lot of like narrative economy right, right. type stuff going on. Sure, uh, we get a shot of the Titanic being about half sunk at this point. Kathy Bates says, "There's something you don't see every day," which you know, unless of course you're James Cameron, in which case you see it every time you close your eyes. <laughs> I don't know how to make it stop. <laughs> Jack and Rose are running around in steerage trying to get out. Right. But they can't because they've gotten caught up in that whole steerage thing. Right. So they avoid, like, the main bottleneck, and they find right. another gate. Well, uh, and, they, and they run into yeah. uh, Tommy and Fabrizio. It's like, hey, Fabrizio, I completely forgot you existed. <laughs> Fabrizio's like, life is beautiful. Still. <laughs> I'm never, ever going to stop saying it, okay? Short, uh, but the beautiful. <laughs> As they say in the France, uh, say a la vie. Fabrizio, <laughs> uh, you're really starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> so 
So anyway, they rip a bench out of the floor. And by they, I mean Tommy and Fabrizio. <laughs> because it's very clear to me the way this scene is filmed that Jack is not pulling his weight. Well, I mean, he's got his delicate artist hands. Exactly. So anyway, they, they bust through the gate. In some side gate, not the main yeah. one. Yeah. And, uh, and then they bust their way right into the third episode of this podcast. Oh my gosh! <laughs> The suspense is terrible. I hope it'll last. A uh, couple of weeks, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, but yes, that, that brings us to the end of what we're covering this particular yes. week. Yes. I can't remember the title of it, but it was scene 41. Yes. So we'll be picking it up with scenes 42 through 64. That's right. Unless 64 is the one with that old lady in which... <laughs> well, 64 is probably the credits. Yeah. Okay, well then 63. Yeah. Anyway. Through we'll, the end. Yeah, we'll pick that up next time. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed the exciting part of this Titanic <laughs> podcast. Although there are still some good times well, to come. Next is the sad part, which is honestly, I think, our favorite part is all the sad I don't parts. know, man. It's very sad. I mean, it's very sad. Don't get me wrong. But I, I, to me, that was always the part that I uh, it's got poignant. something out of. Yeah. Yeah. It, all it right. Gave me feelings or whatever. Aw. <laughs> yeah. Well, that does it for this episode. And until next time... Up yours downstairs.
Next.